0: Mike and Jesse talk about sports, the sports cards market, and how to make money with this hobby on Sports Cards Nonsense. They'll let you know who you should be buying and selling and give you the occasional fantasy football advice. Check out Sports Cards Nonsense on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: My Eagle enthusiasts, it's fairway rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, friends, and welcome to this major golf podcast unlike any other it is a major week some would say the majorest week here on fairway the golf podcast on the ringer podcast network i am your starter my eagle enthusiasts, my birdie buddies my par saving pals the u.s open is staring us right in the face and it feels good. I'm so happy about this time of year. We're getting great tournaments coming all together in this gigantic jam-packed 50 event schedule. Only one way to kick off the week, my birdie buddies. And that is with, of course, our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard, and joined by the Rigger Zone, Kevin Clark, who's got a nice story coming up. On a couple of B words, a couple of beefy boys and added bonus this week, my par saving pals, who's played the majors better than Will Zalatoris over the last uh, uh, four events? Well, I'm going to tell you the answer is nobody. Will Zalatoris on this podcast, helping us get the week off. To the correct start, we're gonna go ahead and tee off as a three-ball. Clark House and the Nate Dog. The first tee's wide open. My eagle enthusiasts, let's get stroking. All right, boys. Kev Clark, my hand, my my handsome man Nathan Hubbard. <laughs> we're all together. Kev, how you doing, buddy?
0: I am ready for the U.S. Open. I'm ready. I'm so, I'm so fired up for a major golf. I mean, I'm I'm excited for the Bryson Brooks, whatever you want to call it, feud rivalry to maybe come maybe come to a head. I'm excited to see what Phil does. Is I feel like there's the thing about this U.S. Open House is when I was looking at the stats earlier and putting my putting my bets in. uh this is a this is a, a big guns tournament. There's not, there's not going to be a lot of Cinderella's here. This is going to be the guys we talk about every single week in contention, and and I, I, th- that, that's why I, I think this might be the most compelling major of the year for me.
1: Wow, I love it. Nate Dog,
2: how you doing? I'm doing great. Kevin, we got to ask the question. Let's get right to it. We haven't seen the pairings yet. Is there any way they put Brooks and Bryson together? Well,
0: yes, there is. If they understand where the sport is going and they need to... to to bring this up, right? Like, I mean, this is this is one of those things where Formula One made an amazing documentary about its sport over the past four years. And if you you know listen to the podcast or Part of My Take or any of these places, you understand that that Formula One has exploded in popularity because of this documentary. And one thing they did was they made the documentary about the elephant in the room, which is a, some people just don't like each other. And sometimes there's two dudes at Ferrari who are really upset at each other. And they made entire episodes about that. And that's a sport leaning into it. And golf needs to realize that there are a million reasons to like golf. We love it for, for a bunch of reasons other than rivalry. But if you want to get an extra layer of, of intrigue, of the casual fan... Of people I don't know who like golf, who uh, people I know who don't like golf, getting into it. You have to lean into Brooks rolling his eyes at Bryson, or them saying something on the green. uh, You know where where they're just sort of going at each other a little bit in a passive aggressive way. That is an extra layer, and I think at some point you have to lean into the elephant in the room, and that's why I'm interested to see if they do it this week, Nathan.
1: What do you think the answer is, Nathan?
2: Well, we talked about it last week. I think they got to put Patrick Reed on. And then you got the last two winners and, and the guy who won a Tory last and just lean in. It, it, it's, it, you know, there's been a lot of chatter in the golf press about, is this good for the sport? Is it not? We're all talking about it for crying out loud. And they just gotta, they gotta look the racehorse dead in the mouth and smack it and put him in the same group. It's gotta happen.
1: Well, it, it's not just us. It is, you know, uh, larger than the, the golf community, the golf uh, commentariat, who I include us uh, among, it is a uh, a matter of, you know, greater sporting public consciousness here in the United States of America. Kevin, you have a story coming up this week on the theringer.com about this very interesting phenomena, this moment between Brooks <laughs> and and Bryson. Um what, what, give us a little preview of, of what you're thinking, what we're going to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, golf is not set up for rivalries. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Number one is that there's no guarantee that these dudes are ever going to face each other in a heated moment. Whereas, let's just say, okay, Brady and Manning. We knew when the schedule was coming out, when that was going to happen. Um, if it's boxing, we know eventually Pacquiao and Mayweather are going to get in the same ring. Golf's not like that. I mean, first of all, golf, I was thinking about it earlier today. First of all, your biggest rival in golf is yourself. Right? Like,
2: imagine... Is this an ad for the PGL, Kev?
0: <laughs> no, it's a, probably an ad for the Match 5 or whenever Whenever <laughs> these dudes actually go on pay-per-view against each other. Um, but I, I just think that, you know, House and I were joking around before this, this, um, this podcast about, you know, I was looking up some of what is considered the biggest feuds in golf history, and it's not a long list. It's things like Paul Azinger against Seve Ballesteros. It's Tiger going against guys, but Tiger's obviously not going to play it up. It is just a little bit, you know, there's some obscure cheating incidents with guys over the years. Normally, it's obscure guys in obscure tournaments. Um, Some of them rise to the A-list level, but we never really saw prolonged kind of hatred on a big scale. And and that's why I think there's really never been anything like this in the modern pro game.
1: So the, the, the the element of it in particular, um, that I think, and I'm interested in, I can't wait to see the story is the public life nature of, um, the, the, the competitors because everybody's living a a public life now and, and the guys control their own storylines. They're not written by journalists. Any longer, and that's different from all the iterations of previous rivalries that you're describing. The only thing that I worry about, as it relates to the USGA, and this is the reason I think they're not going to pair them together, is um, you know what does it do to the the competition? Um, Does it does it take away from the status, the stature, um, the great play that we expect out of other guys? It, It 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 will be its own story whether they play together or not, the golf gods, letting the golf gods decide whether or not they're going to play together does have kind of a rich uh, wrinkle to it as far as I'm concerned. Like if they get close enough in score, the golf gods just might um, have it turn out that Saturday or Sunday we see them together out there. So I'm inclined to think that the USGA will will want to have something that feels traditional Thursday and Friday in terms of a, a normal US Open, but who the hell knows? How much of this
2: do we think is for show? I mean, we got $40 million that's up for grabbing the pip. They clearly are bringing in their corporate sponsors into it. They're using their social media accounts. They're using it to get more exposure. Is any of this wink, wink, or or, or is it really rooted in in real dislike between... It really, Brooks headed at Bryson. I'm not sure Bryson has dislike for anything other than... uh, eating normally. But I mean, do you think this is, this is at all for show, Kev? I think that
0: Brooks understands exactly what he's doing and how to win the pip. And I think that there's a lot of things here. The fact that he monetized the Brooksy video and sold it to Mick Ultra um, shows a level of self-awareness that is actually just brilliant. Again, it comes into sort of just, just how modern this all is. It's not only going on Instagram on a Friday afternoon, but you're, you're selling it off as a promotion. Yeah. Um, so I think that this wouldn't have happened if this was 15 years ago in the same way. It'd be a little more private. I mean, again, there's so many, there's so many dudes. You know, The Le Bradford, house and I we're joking around. There's no Le Bradford Smith here, right. Of, of modern golf, um, where it's just like, were you just using this as, uh, as motivation or whatever? It's more about these guys are going to understand exactly how to play into what 2021 demands. So yeah, is it for show? Yeah, this would probably be behind closed doors if it happened in 2002.
2: Let me ask it this way. Does this serve Brooks Kepka? Every time he talks <laughs> shit, he doesn't play well. All this right. stuff happened this week. He came back. He missed the cut. He said, oh, I'm fine. I'm just focused on next week. Uh, it doesn't seem... Every time he opens his mouth it, outside of the golf course, it, he comes on the course and doesn't deliver his best. Is it just distracting for him? I don't know. I feel like maybe last year, I think it
0: was um, at Harding where he, he made those comments and, and said DJ's not a closer and all that. Um, I think that this is how he gets up for these events. And one thing that we've seen over the past four years is that he has a supernatural ability to get up when everybody is trying to get up. and And there's something... There's something there with him. And, and I like, you know, Bill Walsh used to talk about how there's no such thing as clutch. It's just about doing being able to operate at the same level you're always at uh, when everybody else is, is is losing their heads. And I think that there's something there with Kepka where he likes to raise the stakes a little bit. And yes, he has faltered sometimes, but he was second a couple of weeks ago in a major championship. He's always in the hunt. He has the game for Tory Pines, um, he can he can win this tournament. Absolutely. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a really hard question to answer about whether or not what happens in his head once he raises the stakes. But I feel like he's comfortable. He's comfortable turning the heat up on everybody, including himself. I think that's that's what I've drawn from the last couple of years.
1: He he's definitely a guy who derives incentive by seeking conflict. He's definitely yep. a seek conflict kind of guy and and as we've talked about the evolution of this uh interaction between these two guys Nate has a couple times referred to his you know um uh move as like the the stuff he's going he wants to stuff Bryson in the locker kind of kind of vibe yeah. and that and i think that that's basically right like his overall approach to it and it is i think consistent with how he thinks about himself as being um, mentally, his mental fortitude as an advantage over the rest of the field. And he's talked about it for a few years about not being cowed by the moment and that that he thinks of that as an advantage to himself. The comment that he made about, he really only feels like he's up against 10 guys or so or five guys in a major. All of that is part of the same kind of mindset to me that um, speaks to his uh, fire, the fire that he uses to go perform. And and I, I'm glad you mentioned the second Akioa. Like we had no idea what version of Brooks Kepka coming into the week we were going to get because of the physical challenges. Bro just keeps yep. getting hurt. But you know what? If he can walk on two feet and he can swing a golf club, he's going to finish in the top five of, of most majors that he plays. in. it just seems like that that's where we're at. So, you know, what, good on him. I I'm going to have him I'm going to play a top 5 bet on Brooks this week uh, at, at the US Open and you can count on it.
0: I would also say that there's something there's something with Phil Phil out Alford Brooks and Kiowa, And I kind of feel like if you're Bryson the only path at consistent success is to go right at
1: Brooks and take dead aim. Well, how's that look for Bryson? Well, how, how does Bryson, how does even compute for him?
0: Right now, he's taking it as, he's, oh, this is just fun. We're all having a good time. You know, this is great for the game, all that stuff. And Brooks is going right at Bryson and Bryson's not going back at him. And I think the only way this ends, the only way this feud ends is for Bryson to to get in the mix with this and out Brooks Brooks. That's the only way this ends.
1: Well, and some would say that him putting on all this weight and getting more physically imposing is part of, of his uh, response because, yeah. you know, one of the funny vignettes early in, in this uh, exchange, this back and forth. Was them going, you know, face to face on a putting green at a tournament after Brooks had called out Bryson for slow, slow play. And Bryson's telling Brooks, his caddy, why don't you tell him to come say it to my face? And Brooks like, I'll come say it right to your face. (laughs) And then he did. And and then they made a joke about uh, who would win that fight if there was a fight. And Brooks and Bryson said, I don't think I would win. And Brooks has said, you're right. You you wouldn't win. And now I don't know. I don't know now who would win that fight. Nate, who would win that fight between these two big boys? I want to see it. Uh, Who cares? I mean, I want to see it.
2: Like, everybody's like, oh, they should just put him in the match. Fuck that. Let's put him in whatever Logan Paul's next thing is supposed to be.
1: Just put on the gloves and go do it. I'm sure, you know what, for the right amount of money, and there's no uh, doubt that the, the Paul brothers can come up with the right amount of money. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that thing could, I mean, I, don't, I feel like the tour would get in, 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 in the way of that. I feel like the tour would say, no, I mean, this, the, it would, they would have to be PGL guys uh, before, before we, we would see it, it feels like. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care. And Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's Wonder Made Possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Kevin, you mentioned Phil. Nate, I, we have to talk about Phil. Give me your odds on Phil Mickelson winning the U.S. Open this upcoming week.
2: I mean, he's 55 to one right now. He's ahead of Matt Fitzpatrick. He's ahead of Neiman. He's ahead of Corey Connors. He's ahead of Garrick Higo right now. Not for long, maybe I mean I, his odds are zero. He's not winning the u s open There's no chance none nathan how long how long does this victory tour for Phil last? two no, years? Y- yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he might even not play. he might even not play and just sit in the clubhouse with the Wanamaker and drink you know Cabernet out of it this well, week. I, I don't think he, he needs. Just-
0: he just spends the next two or three years just not taking golf shots and just walking around the course giving the thumbs up to everybody. Like they yeah. just know what golf shots can only sully it at this point. So I think he just becomes sort of a uh, a guy who hangs out for the next couple of years. I think he's good right now, House.
2: No, I, I think you
1: guys are dead wrong.
2: You're not getting back on the fill train well, after I, a
1: year and a half of in just, this, just slander. Just in this respect, I do believe uh, in Bones. I believe I believe what Bones McKay has to say about his former boss and and Bones recently what did he was say? interviewed. He said that there's no question that Phil believes he can win this US Open. And there are a lot of elements of comfort in place with this. He'll be sleeping in his own bed. He knows Tory as well as he knows any golf course on the planet. He's had, you know, even if it couldn't be any easier for him to get as many reps as as, as he wants. And you know his own. You you just mentioned speaking of uh, you know mental fortitude. He's got that alpha. If he if he he is the the current reigning um, major champion holder in in professional golf. Um, what why not me? I feel like Phil could walk out there and say, I feel like he's going to take it dead serious. Maybe I first of all, Tory knowing
0: Tori and being suited and liking Tori are very different things for Phil Mickelson. Yeah, he is, he's had a very weird history with Tori, um, but yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I you know Phil had such a strange run into the PGA. Um, it was completely against the the kind of the run of play that he would have any success there. Um, so I guess we can't count him out in anything here. But I I honestly feel like I feel like there's a, there's a group of of people who are made for this tournament and this setup and this course, and Phil is not in.
1: I, I don't disagree with you at all. I think the weather,
0: you know, the length. There were so many things that that made Kiowa a, a, a fill course for that weekend. The left-handed wind, everybody was talking about, that favored him. Um, he got a couple of breaks, then he took advantage and closed the door. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen this week.
1: The only thing that I'll say, and it's on the length point, is if he drives the ball the way that he drove the ball at Kiowa, he's in the mix. I mean, if he drives the, if he has the combination of length and accuracy that he had at, at Kiowa, then, you know, top 20 feels reasonable. I'm definitely going to bet him to top 20. That that just feels like, you know, good good protective uh, uh, wagering. You, Nate, don't think,
2: ye- you don't think this was a dead cat bounce at the PGA? I mean, I, I get it. It's the last. Probably. Probably. It's a pretty good bounce, though. I'll say that.
0: <laughs> I agree. Probably was, but, bounce, but so what? But,
2: but, I mean, let's be clear. You bet against him to make the cut at Augusta.
1: I did, and I lost that. <laughs> but you know what? I made all that money back, and then some when I bet humongous on him and Charles Barkley to beat Steph Curry and Peyton Manning in the match, which was thank God. Thank God. This is, and that was it. Losing that bet, I, all I had to say was like, here are these four guys. Which one of these guys made the cut at the Masters last month? the answer was was Phil Mickelson. Okay, that's who I'm going to bet on and that worked out pretty good.
2: I just felt like a lot of things conspired between the course and some of the fading of the other players at PGA. I'm so happy it happened. It's great, but it felt like Tiger at Augusta 2 years ago, we should be grateful for what we saw and stop expecting that he's going to compete with the 15 guys at the top of the odds board, who all have a really legitimate chance to win. I mean, this has got to be the deepest potential favorite field that we've had in a long time at a U.S. Open.
0: I'm not. I'm not saying this is the case, and obviously they're different golfers. But Scott Van Pelt was on Rosillo last year, I think, and they were telling Tiger stories. And SCP, who knows Tiger well, said he thinks that the the Masters was sort of the Tiger thinking that everything was right with the universe. And he would say, whatever happens after this, I'm good, right? For his golf career. And I kind of feel like when you have a moment, like Phil at Kiowa, you can't, when you're 50, you can't not have that moment and just say, you know what? I'm good. I'm playing with house money. I've shown I can do this. I'm not, you know, it doesn't get into a sort of drive or motivation or whatever. Obviously, he's always getting motivated. Obviously, he wants to go win a bunch of money on the PGA Tour and the Champions Tour and all that stuff and the PGL or whatever, whatever you want to do. But I just feel like that's to a win of that magnitude. There's always going to be a letdown after because of just what it means to your life.
1: I, I I totally agree with that, and that's why I'm only going to do a small wager on Phil for for top 20, and that's it. That's the How, extent of it. We, How, House, I just got to... I got to ask you something here.
2: I, I'm just... I'm staring at this odds board, and I'm remembering back to the fall when the U.S. Open happened. And Bryson DeChambeau... I mean, that win, it wasn't quite, you know, Tiger winning at Augusta and do we need to change a bunch of courses? But, like, <laughs> that win fucked up Rory McIlroy's golf swing.
1: Well, Rory McIlroy fucked up Rory McIlroy's golf swing, but continue.
2: Yeah, because he's chasing that win. My point is, like, it was such a dominant and impressive win. Here we are back at a U.S. Open that's going to be long, that's going to have lots of rough, where, you know, uh, guys who can hit it and then use their wedges and swing speed have an advantage. Bryson DeChambeau's the fourth favorite.
1: I don't get it. Well, he's out of form. He only has one top 10 in the last six tournaments um, that he's played in. So that that's helped it. What's his number right now on the board you're looking at? 16 to one on eh, you know, that's I like that 16 yeah. to one. That's a, that's a decent number. I mean, the formula is what you just described. It is hit the ball far. Don't be, um, you know, the rough is supposed to be five inches. We've seen, you know, they're going to do a five inch rough, a three inch rough. Um, uh, you know, a, just off a first cut off the fairway, um, the canyons might, might come in play but in in any event, um, the, the rough should not be a factor for him. He should have an advantage. And then it comes down to a putting contest. And the one thing That's I'll do bef- problem. Well, then the one thing I'll do before we get, you know, too far into this week is, is the deep research on, on Bryson on Poe yeah. because, you know, th- this is West coast POA, um, which is not different even from the POA that you get on, on the, the East Coast and the Florida venues, the South Carolina venues that, that have POA. So, well, you know, I, I, that that part of it, I, I don't have a good feel for yet. Uh, but he's got two out of the three important elements. So according
0: to our friends at Fantasy National, because I've got the database in front of me, uh, he is eighth on POA. That's a good number. That's good. So there's a couple of numbers I want to point out. Number one, Bryson is number one, obviously, off the tee and strokes gained. He's number one in approach shots over 200 yards. Um, he's really good. I think he's in the top 15 on par fours between fifty yards and 500 yards.
2: Number one at annoying 30-minute YouTube videos. A number d- b- b- number one, and there's
0: no one particularly close in that regard. And a lot of things point to Bryson being the statistical favorite here, except he's Bryson, and Brooks is a little bit worse at everything, and he's Brooks. And that's when I look at these two guys. Literally, it's junk science. It's me going ah, the the science here. Uh, yeah, science alert. The science says Bryson, as it always does, and the golf says Brooks. Well,
1: yeah. I, there's a bunch of other guys out there. That I know. I'm just capable. talking I about mean, <laughs> those two guys. John
2: uh, Rahm coming off the island yes. like Napoleon and just mowing back through right. the field after being, you know, having a a win ripped away from him feels like. I mean, I, I get why he's a favorite right now. In fact, his odds are so in such a place. I, I don't know that you can bet him to win this week.
1: You, you can't, except for, you, yeah. I, I'm going to. I'll do a tiny, I'm going to do win-place <laughs> show. I'll do win-place show on ROM because sometimes, occasionally, the most obvious answer happens to be the correct answer. And, you know, there does now have the added element of this karma vibe. Yeah. To him, ha- after what happened at, at the memorial, and you know, again, yeah, this is the thing, especially with Rom, the horse for the course thing. Holy shit! Like he's he's he he um, won the memorial last year in pretty dominant fashion. He was about to do the exact same thing again in in an extremely dominant fashion. Like the, everybody else was was on a different you know planet altogether, and now we're coming to a place where he has even more success, even better track record, even you know more comfort. Another guy who who's got you know all kinds of roots and connections to this venue, and you know I'm just not going to be out there with my pants down on John Rom. That's all, so to speak.
0: I got you. Ten ten to one is an interesting number there, and I think I I, I think Rom. Rahm... And Bryson, and, and how are we feel about Dj right now?
1: so so two two things very quickly for me. DJ does not play at Tory hardly ever. right. And he also doesn't have great success when he when he plays Tory. I think he has like one top twenty you can find um going through his history over the last 10 years. And really, that's that's the entirety of of the DJ story at, at Torrey. Uh, look, I am
2: a believer in DJ. I, I think he is... Uh, coming in, I wasn't a believer. But this past week, he came into a course he has not seen that he definitely hasn't played. And at least the first two and a half, three days, he played great. I, I think he just lost his focus down the stretch this afternoon and tripled the last hole. But, you know, D- DJ did not play the way he wanted to at the Masters. He did not play the way he wanted to at the PJ, obviously. And uh, I think it may be time for him. His game is absolutely in form based on what we saw this week.
1: Well, he's been quiet. He went dark on us for a little while. Uh, and I don't know if if I would, would characterize the performance at Congaree. And by the way, let's do a very quick uh, shout out. Congrats to Garrick Higo in his second ever uh, event on U.S. soil. Now he's on the PGA Tour. Now he's going to the Masters next year. I mean, we have been looking at, um, you know, non-U.S. players in some of these unique circumstances. We talked about it at Kiowa and here again at Congaree when we were preparing for... You know, what's going to happen? And we were like, oh, the Euros should be... We ha- We've been sleeping on the South Africans. Let's stop sleeping on the South Africans. I'm going to pick some Eric Van Rooyen finished 10th. Uh, Wilco Neenaber, the longest hitter on the planet, not named Bryson. And by the way, he almost exceeded Bryson's uh, high watermark this season for um, longest drive average. Uh, all these South Africans are doing stuff. Both Garrick Higo and uh, neighbor are playing at 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 Tory, so that's going to be fun. And also, we'll pour a little out for Chesson Hadley. Feel bad for I mean, a a guy that that you know um, played beautiful golf all the way up to the last three holes, and and like and and uh, you know just to be. Blunt about it. He's a second-tier guy. Yeah, you know, He has one win on tour. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was his, his, his tournament um, to win, and he couldn't close the door. Well, but that's and, because- and then
2: it was Harris's, and then it was DJ's, and all these guys. I mean, this, is, this was the worst event on tour this year, as far as I'm concerned. It, it was lost by four guys, and Higo inherited it. Whoopee.
1: <laughs> okay, I mean, you know, Nate, I, Nate you know, yeah. out on Congaree, Wow, yeah, I, I, I kind of liked looking at it. It was easy. I didn't have to invest too much energy into to watching it. It was good to see DJ out there. I was curious about Higo. Hey, so curious, in fact, I told um, Kevin this bef- the, uh, the earlier. Um, I bet on Higo this morning at 16 to one to win this golf tournament. So this is why you're crowing about it. I mean, (laughs) no, I'm not. All I wanted to say is congratulations. We're, we're taping this on the, on the, at the beginning of us open week, we're tackling all these us open topics, which is proper. A tournament just happened. And we're, we're giving shout out to the tournament that just happened, including my bank account.
2: Did you see anything out of Ty Hatton that you liked this week?
1: Sure, of course, he was right there. He finished one shot out of, you know, a, a, a playoff and he was scuffling. He scuffled to a 10 under uh, tie for third. So, yeah, I, I like what I saw at a tie hat. And it's the same kind of vibe as what you're dropping to me about DJ. We haven't seen him. He's been dark for a little bit. Ty played decent. I think a key. I'll have to look and see. Uh, where he ended up uh, ultimately. ultimately. Um, but, There's you know, 18 guys favored ahead of him right now. He's got
2: the same odds as Justin Rose and Paul Casey and Webb Simpson.
1: So I mean, I, that's a. I'll I'll put top 20. I'll play a top 20 on tie hat. And why wouldn't I? Well, let, let let's let's go ahead and talk. So you're on the right vibe here. Under the radar studs. Who are we overlooking? Who haven't we talked about on this podcast yet that we ought to be? talking about, thinking about who's going to surprise us. I want to start with a couple names. The X man had a pretty good performance uh, at the farmer's insurance in his own backyard. He had a top five finish. Um, he, he was, he, he was okay. Uh, at, at, uh, Kiowa, uh, I think he top 10. Um, we, we saw him right on the brink of greatness at, at the masters. What, what are we feeling about the X this week?
2: I'm feeling like he's going to get run over by the rest of this young field. I'm looking at the top 15 guys. I, I, I want Xander to to not always be the bridesmaid, but it feels right now like I can put a finger on six to eight guys in front of him who are either worth your money or have a better chance of getting in front of him. I mean, when are we ever going to see Rory at 20 to one again coming into a U.S. Open?
1: So I'm glad you mentioned Rory because that's another under-the-radar stud. um, And 20-to-1 is a pretty unbelievable price. And the last time there was an opportunity uh, like this was Rory at 20-to-1 at Quail Hollow, and then he went and won. So what are we going to do?
2: We promised ourselves that we would never let Rory or JT get to to 19-20-to-1 again and not bet on them. And guess what? JT's at 19-to-1, Rory's at 20-to-1. I I, I think you got to lay it there never mind. Kev, that what the, do you,
0: what what are you gonna do i i i did a couple picks earlier this afternoon just because I got a, a hankering for it I don't have j t or Rory in anything right now and i that probably changes with Rory I think that this is a pretty simple golf tournament and I'm sure there are gonna be some some adjustments when we see the setup you know hopefully they don't pull pull an Aaron Hills that they did a couple of years ago and they stay they, they wuss out and change everything on Wednesday or whatever, but I think we're going to be fine. And I think it's just the bombers and there's going to be no miracles here. And it's going to be guys like Bryson and John Rahm and Brooks and Victor Hovland who can hit the crap out of the ball from, from anywhere. I think he's, I'm looking right here. He's sixth uh, off the tee in, in strokes gained. Um, it's going to be guys who are good off the tee. And then it comes down to, to putting. And I think that There are some guys who I say, okay, maybe they're sleepers. Guys like Vegas, you know. Wyndham Clark gets the crap out of the ball off the tee. Uh, I've got Brian Harmon in a bunch of lineups. You know, guys like wait, wait,
1: Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon doesn't. Brian Harmon is a short knocker.
0: No, but he, I, 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 in my, in my statistical model, he came up a little bit. I think he's okay. got, I think, I think he's got some, uh, some, well, some nice. And
1: it makes some, sense. He he played fine at Aaron Hills, which was yeah. supposed to be a bomber, you know, joint. And he was second to, to Bryson and he was given Bryson a little run. I'm um, Bryson. Brooksy, Brooksy, Brooksy. Brooksy is who he, he, he was, uh, paired with for the last round there. And, you know, Harmon's a stay in the fairway guy. So, you know, staying in the fairway. At this place. And it's supposed to be firm and fast. Nate, isn't that the the what we're hearing yes. about the condition?
2: Yes. Slick as can be. I, I don't think we're going to have the 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 U.S. Open guys losing control of the course on Friday night like they did last year. But uh, it, this is going to be hard and fast.
0: Uh, Harmon is 33rd off the tee in uh, strokes gained and 12th in putting. And so I think that, that will always, if you're within the top 35 in both categories, that
2: gives you a chance.
1: Yeah, I'm sitting here with my thumb up and, I'm not, and, and not up my butt.
2: Well, <laughs> m- m- well I, 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 you know, as we're looking at guys further down the board, you remember who finished second at Wingfoot? Not Matthew Wolf. It was. Oh, okay. Is he's, Matthew Wolf playing? Is he he's, playing? He's 210 to one. I, is he playing in the golf tournament? He's on the board.
1: I mean, I wish him the best of luck. I want him to be good at competitive golf, but like, why would I bet a dollar on him? Are you out? I'm out. What are you talking about? Am I out? He's out. We, <laughs> I'm not out. He's out. Like, what do you want me to do? He hasn't played golf in four months. He's on the board at 210 all right, well, to one. That's all I have to say. So we, we, we've covered, we got Rory, we got Xander, we got JT. We got Brooksy, we got Bryson, we got DJ. How are we 35 minutes into here and nobody said Jordan Spieth yet? What are we doing with Jordan Spieth, fellas? So I was actually going to ask you this question. So Spieth's
0: at 298 yards off the tee, okay, this year. And that's only a little bit behind some of the guys that I'm taking as strong off the tee. Hovland is only, I think, just a little bit above 300. Cantlay's a little bit above 300. Is this a course
1: for Jordan Speeth house? I don't know the answer to that because here's the challenge I'm 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 confronted with. I thought that Jordan Spieth was going to really take to Kiowa the challenges of not necessarily landing the ball in the middle of the green at Kiowa, but instead needing to manufacture pars and save par from all kinds of different crazy lies and and misses and and. Jordan's ability to do that, his, his unique ability, his unique magic, I thought was going to translate. Now I think he finished 30th or 28th or something at, at, at Kiowa, but here's the thing about Tori: My mind's eye has two high water moments. It has the most recent event there, which was Patrick Reed, not hitting hardly any greens in regulation whatsoever. I mean, I think he was like one of the lowest greens in regulation uh, performances to actually win an event. This is a Justin Ray stat that, that like, you know, in, in, in 25, 30, 40 years. And then we have, again, I go back 2008 tiger won that golf tournament from off the green. He won that golf tournament by chipping in from unbelievable places on, 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 on Saturday and saving par from unbelievable places uh, Sunday and then again on Monday. So if the course requires that kind of saving par magic and there's evidence that that's the case, then how can I not love Jordan Speeth? How can I not love Jordan Spieth?
2: Well, because he missed the cut in, in January. Kev, where are you on him?
0: I, I have been consistent on Spieth, which is that if Spieth makes a run and I'm not a part of it, I made my peace with it. I, I I committed at the beginning of this year to saying Spieth cannot win consistently, and even though I have evidence in front of me that says that's not correct, I just have too many guys on my dance card uh, to get him in into my my weekly uh, into my heart for for my weekly bets.
1: Well, I I think you make uh, a, a fair point, and by the way, we do have some evidence. It's recent evidence. He had a two-stroke lead uh, on Sunday against Charles Jason Schwab. Kokrak yeah at, the, at at colonial and was not able to get it across with all of Dallas rooting for him with, with all, all of, of Dallas, Dallas rooting for
0: him and doing the weird thing where Kokrak, would would he would miss a shot and they would kind of kind of quietly cheer that thing it was one of those deals kind of like yeah. a tennis match a little bit i uh, uh, we, we look it was extremely uncomfortable
1: and 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 speaking of Kokrak, friend of the pod jason Kokrak, on on last week's show we came up with a drink and and uh We're going to send you some. So this is how we're all enjoying um, this upcoming U.S. Open. We're going to drink the Coke Rack Crusher, and we'll go through the ingredients in a second. But this pod goes up Monday. Wednesday, we are up. And this pod, by the way, uh, mentioned at the top, these fine gentlemen with all of our storyline takes. And then major performer, Will Zalatoris. he's coming up in just a minute. Later this week, Justin Ray and another surprise PGA Tour stud who has a W in just the last couple of weeks on tour. And then we're going to try and set up another one of these live experience joints. Uh, I think they're still calling it Spotify's locker room. I think it's still the locker room. We'll get together Saturday night and then Sunday. We are up with our live reaction to whatever um, happens in this crazy tournament. But the Coke Rack Crusher. We're on Coke Rack. Kev, work with me. It's bourbon. It's ginger shrub. It's club soda. And it's a, got a little bit of of a, a lemonade. Splash. Just a splash. Just a splash. Give, give me your reaction.
0: I love it. I love it. I get, The lemonade is a great touch. Did you come up with this?
1: It's a variation on some drinks that I've been drinking. But, you know, uh, we had this bourbon that Coke Rack is... is uh, an ambassador for, and I was like, let's come up with Amazing. a nice summer bourbon drink, a nice Father's Day drink for the fathers out there, and and uh, a beautiful U.S. Open. It's a sipping drink, I think. You can enjoy you and by the way, the most important thing, you can enjoy more than one, and and maybe more than two, probably more than three, especially in advance of our locker room Saturday night.
0: I'm prepared. I love it. I love it. I actually have, I have a co-crack on some, on some dance cards this week.
1: He's on mine. And he has a good um, track record at Torrey. Will Zalatoris also on my dance card, and I hope he goes on yours. He's on all of our dance cards here at Fairway Rolling because let's jump over and talk to our new, very best friend on the PGA Tour, Will Zalatoris. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
3: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Majorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend. You can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app.
1: All right, my birdie buddies, we are cooking with gas. Now the U.S. Open is staring us right in the face, and we have a major league performer here to help us break it all down. No one on planet Earth has played better in the last handful of majors than this dude right here. Our thanks to Gillette for making the homie available. Will Zalatoris, what's happening?
4: Man, what an entrance. I love it. Thanks, dude.
1: Yeah, (laughs) go go big or go home. And and by the (laughs) way, I I think you're kind of familiar with that. I do want to begin on on a little bit of a somber note. Here's my here's my question. How are you feeling? Are you over the crushing disappointment of your worst major performance of your career <laughs> so far? Yeah. You're your tie for eighth at at Keogh Island. Yeah, fire everybody! Right, total rebuild. <laughs> oh man, how was that experience? Because one of the things that we've been marveling at, in addition to obviously Phil's you know otherworldly, unprecedented thing, but there were there were fans and there was like fan energy and it was a big golf course with a big time vibe and and big event. How was it like actually being out there inside the ropes?
4: It was like kind of going back to normal. I think really that was the players was close. Like players was like the closest one where we have been back to normal since COVID hit. But I mean, the PGA felt like a major championship. Everyone's out there, you know, the booze is flowing hearing all these, you know, all, all these guys chirping me and, you know, it was, it was great. I mean, it, that's why really, it's so much fun now. It's nice to, you know, instead of going out making like a birdie and possibly being in contention and you hear like four claps and now it's just like, you know, you make a 10 footer for par and you're like, Oh, who, what, what, what did that guy do? What did, you know, what was that for? Who was that? You know, they in the lead now, you know, it's, it's just, it's fun. It's, it's way more fun. But I'm so glad I'm done with that golf course because that place is a beating. I think I hit nine three irons one round, which I think if I hit four a week, that's like kind of about average.
2: Did you feel like the fans were in line? I mean, that's an issue that seems to be permeating across American sport right now. Is there some guys who you, like you said, the 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 beer and alcohol is flowing. But there's some guys who are pushing the the envelope out in the crowds. Are you guys feeling positive energy? Is there some dangerous energy? What's it really feeling like out there?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's in a weird spot. So like a couple tournaments this year, they've done the tickets where it's all you can drink boots. So the tickets are like astronomically high where it's like, you know, three, four hundred dollars for a one-day ticket but they get free booze. And so it's like, you know, nine 30 in the morning, I'm T 52 teeing <laughs> off at colonial. I'm like, don't care at all. i well, I do care, but I'm just like, yeah, I, I I'm not thinking about winning the golf tournament. I'm just trying to work on what I'm working on. And you know, whatever I shoot is what I shoot. Like it's one of those kind of tough days where you're like defeated, but still, you know, in it and trying to you know, get some momentum. And it's like nine thirty in the morning, and I think your brother was playing in front of me, and
2: so it was slow. Yeah.
4: Well, no, we were good. I mean, because we were hitting so many golf shots, we were okay. But yeah, right. There, there are some guys that I mean, they were just so, I mean, so loud and drunk, and I'm like, one guy dropped a couple f bombs. There's kids there, and I'm just like, come on, man. Like, you know. And I think that's where I think some tournaments are starting to learn that a little bit, where it's like, okay, you know, we can. We can do this, like we can have people back, you know, but I don't know about this whole all you can drink thing. I think that's a little dangerous, especially if guys are screaming F-bombs at 10 o'clock in the morning on, you know, we've got a couple of kids around. So it's a little different, but I personally though, I mean, being the happy Gilmore <laughs> poster child or whatever the hell you want to call me,
1: right? the, uh,
4: the ruckus is great. So yeah. I don't, I don't mind it.
1: It does seem like the ruckus might be slightly less out at, at Torrey. And I want to talk about your experience earlier this year at Torrey and what you're anticipating where, with this U.S. Open. So you had uh, a great experience at the Farmers Insurance, another top 10 finish for Will Zalatoris. No effing surprise this year. But uh, you mentioned Kiowa being you know gigantic and giving out a, a beating. What are you anticipating out of Tori?
4: I mean the exact same thing. I mean the only the only difference is Tori will be kind of well they'll be really similar. I the thing with Tori is it's it's super wide from trouble line to trouble line, but you know, there's just you know, I mean you can hit it kind of everywhere and not get a penalty shot, but the thing is the rough is so penal and it's going to be so long that driving will be imperative. They're going to play sneaky, really similar. I mean, I think the only difference is, is just San Diego. Granted, we've had some weird weather there through the years, but yeah. I mean, it should be money. I mean, yeah. it should be really, really good weather. I'm expecting, yeah. I mean, if they're going to grow up the rough and getting it, and I've seen some of the, what they've done to Couple of the spots. I mean, it's going to be full blown U.S. Open. You know, hang on for dear life.
2: Take me through what you learned at Augusta, particularly on the back. I mean, we, we we're going to talk till we're blue in the face about your results at the majors and your results overall. You got seven top ten finishes this season. Second at Augusta, T six at the last U.S. Open, T eight at the PGA. What I want to know is, it, it, with all these finishes. There, have you gotten that battle tested in the heat down the stretch trying to grab a golf tournament experience? It looked like you got some of that at Augusta. H- has that helped you get ready to go actually win one of these fucking golf tournaments?
4: Yeah, I mean, that's actually a really good question because Augusta was a little weird where it's like start off, start off birdie birdie. All right, I'm you know, Hideki makes bogey. Now I'm one back. Made a kind of a dumb decision that I don't really regret on three, where I I should have just tried to chip that thing up to twenty feet, make par, get out of there. And it's like, start off birdie, birdie, birdie. I mean, it's going to be known. Like, yeah, now I'm tied with a Hideki, pressures on. You know, immediately, you know, pedal to the metal. So once I got to the back, and I think I bogeyed ten and twelve, and made a bad par on thirteen which was hilarious because I, Corey Connors and I hit to like 40 and 60 feet might've even been longer than that. And Corey literally was on the exact same line as me. And he literally hit the putt like 10 feet in front of me. And I'm like <laughs> expecting a read. I'm like, okay, you know, you make this nice curler, you know,
2: you got the a going, yeah.
4: make him hear it. And then he literally leaves a 60 footer more than halfway short. I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, and so like, I'm kind of, you know, now I'm a little, yeah, I, it was just, it was funny, but it was kind of like, after I made par there, I was just kind of, it was almost like deflating where it's like you've been in contention for 65 holes and now you're five or maybe even six back. I don't even remember. And then I, I'm walking down 17 and I see Hideki you put it in the back water. And I'm like, this kind of isn't really over here. I mean, it, Kind of is, but it kind of isn't. Like you finish birdie birdie, you might have a backdoor chance if he collapses. So Birdie birdied seventeen, which, and then you know saving par on eighteen, I didn't realize it was going to keep me one short. I thought I needed a birdie just to be with you know possibly within one. But I think that the fact that I just I I remember so much about it, and I remember the feels. I just remember the fearlessness where it's just kind of like, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not scared to, you know, maybe make a double or here or whatever. It's like, this is, this is what you've wanted to do your entire life. Um, I think it was a really cool feeling. I think it's something that I'm going to draw back on in the future where, if, you know, if I'm in contention to win you know, any golf tournament in the near future, it's like leave nothing behind. I mean, there's no reason to shy away from it now. I mean, so.
2: Did your uh, hands feel different? Did your arms feel different? Or was it just comfortable? I mean, you really did look fearless that day.
4: Yeah, no, I was fully comfortable. I mean, nothing... I thought Saturday was probably a little bit more nerve-wracking. Right. Because it kind of it kind of meant a little bit more to me. Um, you know, final group of a major, of a tournament you've always wanted to win. You know, I could go shoot myself out of this golf tournament, and then it will be like, oh, well, you're not ready yet. But right. the fact that I kept myself in it, and was able to still contend, um, I think, really freed me up for Sunday. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, you, you put yourself in the situation now. I mean, you got nothing. I mean, leave nothing behind. I mean, this is this is it. I mean, my caddy said it best. I mean, you know, it's like the old military line, "Weapons free, boys." I mean, there ain't yep. no rules of engagement here. This is it.
1: Yeah. Well, the the message I'm hearing here. Uh, if I can segue just a bit, is is not sweating under pressure. So let's talk about this Gillette thing a little bit, right? Seventy two hour deodorant. Now I will confess. I was like a tiny bit disappointed that the Gillette piece was not about any kind of their their, their shaving weapons, so to speak, because <laughs> you and Max Homa are homies Homa's, the, Homa's
2: got arms.
1: The homie like a Homa. Gorilla. Like I thought we might get an Instagram story of you shaving Homa's back or something. Cause like he might <laughs> be the hairiest dude on tour,
4: right? Well, no, I'm up there with him. I mean, he and I could <laughs> we could have a we could have a, a contest, that's for sure. Maybe donate it to Locks of love or something but <laughs> well, we're, we're, this is a, <laughs>
1: it's a deodorant the 72 hour yeah. sweat pro- protection what are you guys doing
4: yeah so it's gonna be super fun uh the 72 club um they're we're max and i are partnering up with them and uh we'll try to lower you know get your handicaps down and you know lower your handicap you actually have a chance to go play in uh, this little tour championship out in Whistling Straits comes September right before, uh will we were actually right around the Ryder Cup. So, you know, it'll be super fun. Um, this Thursday, Max and I are going to make a really cool announcement. So I'll be looking out for that on our social media. Uh, I will actually be on Instagram. Uh, my handle's at Will Zalatoris. It'll be fun. Maybe I could teach that goofball something about social media since he needs all the PIP
2: help in the world. Not enough money flowing his way from that yet. So I'm sure you can help him out. Mike, I got a question for you as you think about approaching this U.S. Open. I, look, you, you, you know, some people say you came sort of out of nowhere, but there's a big leap that you made from being on the Corn Ferry to where you are now. In 2018, I think you played six events on tour. You missed all the cuts except Ooh. Pebble. You were T68. Mm-hmm. Can you, what's the gap between these insanely good results that you've been delivering and winning? And does that feel like it's more or less than the leap that you made from when you started on Corn Ferry to where you are now?
4: Yeah, I mean, that's a good one. I mean, basically, I went to Q School in 2019, 28. It was the end of 2018 for the 2019 season. And missed first stage, super dejected. Sat down, with my coaches we were sitting there talking about playing mini tour events and just kind of game planning the next year, you know, doing mini tour events and Monday qualifiers. And I basically, Josh Gregory gave me a practice routine and just said, dude, stick to this. Your job is just to get better. And eventually results will come. And I was not expecting them to come that quickly, but I Monday into the, uh, Panama championship, which that qualifier is 90 for two spots in January and shot 64 and got through really from then on, that was like, okay, you know, we've actually, you know, it's nice to just have some sort of momentum going and slowly worked my way onto the corn ferry and had special temporary status out there but then kind of hit another roadblock where I got to the corn ferry tour finals and I missed two cuts on the number and then uh finished like 15th of the tour championship where you know I make one of those cuts and just have a nice weekend I you could get have through. got my card yeah yeah and so now I've got to sit on my butt for 3 months thinking about how it literally could have been just one shot over a 2 week span You know, and I'm sitting there with the coaches and we're just like, look, I need to understand my golf game better. I want to be able to fix myself faster so I can turn these missed cuts into made cuts and possibly get my tour card that way. And came out and kind of had a nice start and then COVID hit. So I had another four months to really just work on my golf game. Just get better is what Josh always tells me. It's like, it's not about going out and being on the Ryder Cup or winning a major. It's like, just get better at golf. You know, enjoy the process of it, which I hate that cliche, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. And really, that's all we've done for two years. I mean, I wish I could give you something more special than that, but it's just been, you know, no matter if it's been a Corn ferry Monday or, you know, a regular tour event, it's just been try to get better at whatever you're working on and kind of look at the macro instead of the micro.
1: So we tried to... Go a little deep on on some Zalatoris background here. We have a connection to to Wake Forest, uh, an old classmate of yours, Grace Dixon. We tried through her her pops, we we're friends with James Baby Doll Dixon, the infamous agent, <laughs> to get some some Will Zalatoris college stories. He he came back. He's like the kid's clean. I can't. He's like I, can't, I got nothing. I got nothing. So we don't, we don't even have a a keg stand out of you. But I do want I am interested in the Man, story. I've got some good friends. It's amazing. Uh, but I am interested in the story of how a Texas kid ended up at Wake and, and a lot of Texas people are very angry at Lanny Watkins because that's that's the story that, that I've heard out there. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not.
4: Long story short, I was born in San Francisco and then moved to Dallas when I was nine. I grew up with Lanny's kids, Tucker and Travis, who are two of my best buds. And uh, Travis played at Wake, and it came time for me to start looking at schools, and Lanny just said, you know, hey, go look at it. You know, it's obviously, it's got a great, rich history. It's a new practice facility. Um, you know, he never really, like, just said, hey, like, you need to go here. It was just like, yeah, if you want to go look at it, go look at it. And it's a top 30 school, um, on top of one of the richest golf programs in you know, the history of the NCAA, you know, every day you walk into the facility there, you walk by the one statue on campus that's of Arnold Palmer, you know, and then I ended up getting offered the Arnold Palmer scholarship to go play there. So, you know, kind of what I tell people is my decision is kind of made for me. I'm going to get a, yeah. a scholarship on Arnold Palmer's name to go to a, one of the best top 30 institutions in the country. And then also be a part of a a pretty rich history. And so, like I said, it was just kind of a no brainer.
2: You are third in shots gained approach right now on tour. Mm -hmm. You are 127th in putting. Mm -hmm. You don't have a FedEx cup rank because the PGA tour is completely fucked up. And apparently you're not going to be in the (laughs) tour championship for no good reason, but you're 29th in the world. How much better can you get, will? I mean, you got a long way to go still on putting, it looks like. Is that your focus right now? H- how How do yeah. you think about how do you think about getting even better from where you are now?
4: Yeah, you know the thing that this year has been a little bit different than last year for me, and it's obviously, you know the spotlight is different. But last year, I consistently putted really well. And this year, I've had some higher highs and some lower lows, which has been, it's bizarre to me because it's like I have weeks like Augusta where I'm making a hundred plus feet of putts a day. And then yeah. I've had weeks like Colonial where I'm, you know, missing everything it feels like. But then on Thursday, weirdly, I was like plus two point eight. And it's just yeah, kind of like
2: you're making a shit ton yeah, of eagles. You make yeah, a lot I've of crazy. Lot yeah.
4: of hot, I've been very hot and cold, even though that my uh, you know, you look at my finishes, you're like, Oh wow, he's such a consistent player. And I'm like, No, I'm not. I'm doing it very differently every week. Um, so I mean, Josh and I have really worked hard on it. We've kind of we tinkered too much kind of over the last month and a half. Um, we were, were really trying to get back to some feels with Augusta and we did it in some different ways. And I think that's why I've been so hot and cold. Um, but I think these last two weeks, I mean, I needed a needed a break. Um, you now my body was starting to really break down. I played 14 out of 18 weeks you know, it re- really caught up to me. And so it was kind of nice to just hit the reset button, get some rest, put some work in with Josh. Um, but I've got a long, I do have a long way to go. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely, I mean, I've, I thought that on the West coast swing, I don't, I don't think I hit the ball very well, but I putted really well. And then You know, so far, you know, really after since Quail, I've hit it amazing. I've just made nothing. So it's just been a very hot and cold, bizarre year. But then you look at it and you're like, wow, he's one of the most consistent players out here. I'm like, well, I don't certainly don't feel that way, but I'll take it.
1: Well, but maybe that portends well. You mentioned your your comfort putting on the West Coast swing. And I was interested in asking about the Poe Greens at Tory, right? Because you 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 putted pretty well. I didn't look up the strokes gained. Results, uh, just the top ten finish, the tied for seventh. I think you had at the Farmers. How do you feel about those greens? They will be different in June than they were in February, but still, like, does your uh, your your eye like them?
4: Yeah, I do. I mean, I I like I said, I I first learned to play the game in San Francisco, so I used to Poana. I've always I've had a lot of success on Poana. Um, You know, it's going to be crusty it's going to be bouncy i mean that's just poana. you know especially late in the day they're going to get super bouncy but you know the biggest thing out there is just make sure you've got good speed i mean that's kind of something that really i felt that you know the two best parts of my game are um you know lag putting and actually ball striking and really that's part of the reason why i've struggled with the putting recently it's just my lag putting just been garbage yeah um so i've spent a lot of time on it lately and um I'm looking forward to getting back. There's something about that place that I just, I should never feel comfortable looking at a 500 yard hole. That's dead straight with six inch rough and trees. But for some reason, I love that place.
1: So besides your, yourself then, uh, so we're, we're picking you to win the U S open at, at Torrey pines, but bes- besides yourself, name some other guys that you've played with over the, the last six months or so that have impressed you and, and, you, now we're not saying say anything bad about anybody. We're saying who else that 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 you've encountered over your time here uh, over the last six months or so are some names that we might be interested in paying attention to as potential great performers out there.
4: You're talking about for the U.S. Open, yes, sir. Yeah. There's a guy named Jordan Spieth who's been playing <laughs> some pretty good golf lately. You
2: should, never heard. I've
4: never heard of him. No, no, never heard of her. Um, yeah, he's he's been a really good friend and kind of almost big brother to Scotty Scheffler and me and he been by big brother I mean he's just beaten us to a pulp for the last 15 years of junior golf and now up to the professional levels um but yeah besides that don't waste your money save it I, I like you guys putting the money on me okay that's
2: what we're gonna do so 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 you talk about Scotty uh, when Mark came up off Corn Ferry last time, he was like, Scotty Scheffler has been kicking everyone's ass and he's going to keep kicking ass. We got the first Corn Ferry Tour graduating class coming up next fall in two years. Is there anybody down there right now that you look at and go watch out for this kid?
1: I have There's my hand couple. up because I, I have a name. I want to ask you. This was on my list. I mean, I, I don't mean to answer for you, but like Cameron Young looks like he's a pretty good golfer
4: cam when he is on is unbelievable i mean i think between cameron young davis riley oh man i mean jaeger's been playing some phenomenal yeah he has but um i mean for young guns coming up i I mean cam davis i mean brandon has played some pretty good golf too i mean he's i think he's if you were to take his season there so far of what he's played and put it next to mine, I think we literally have made the same amount of points, the same amount of dollars. And he's just completely flown under the radar. I mean, SIG has played good, but I mean, I lived with Davis Riley for almost a little over a year, actually here in Dallas. But yeah, when cam's on, I mean, I I'll give you one quick camp story, but so cam in college, we had a kid on a recruiting trip. Cam had something with school. Parks his car in the parking lot and like right by the fourth tee, which we weren't able, we weren't supposed to do that, but whatever. So he puts his shoes on the parking lot. So he plays four through nine. He eagles four, no warm up. Birdie's five. He pars six, chips in on seven for Birdie, then makes like a 20 footer on eight, then chips in on nine. So he made six threes, no warm up, put his shoes on the parking lot, hits 18 golf shots and goes home. We've taught, we've told that story to so many guys because they're like, Yeah, you know, what's Cam like about his game? And I'm like, he can just do stuff like that. we are just like, Where did this come from? You've literally, you haven't hit a golf ball in three days, no warm up. You basically got your shoes untied. I mean, you got your pants falling down by your ankles and you go out and shoot, make six threes. I mean, you're like, Oh my God. So he can do stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I I uh, I'm sorry for um, answering the question, Nate, but we had the longest day of golf, and 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 Cameron Young uh, was the medalist at the qualifier in New York, and you know another Wake Forest grad, uh, and also the son of the pro at Sleepy Hollow. So, mm-hmm. and that's a name that you know. Speaking of of setting aside some some a couple dollars and watching this kid come on tour and go ahead and start you know making a couple investments i think we we could do okay um you just talked about 63s in a row we know that you are a hoops guy have you been watching these nba playoffs
4: my warriors are out so i've been kind of passively watching so but uh yeah i mean i'm still root for the warriors even though i live in dallas i kind of passively root for the mavs and that was one of the weirder series i've ever seen so so that's a weird year. I mean, I I I think the Nets obviously I mean Katie is kind of dead to me, but I still root for him a little bit. So. why
1: he's he's dead to you because he left the 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 Golden State. Is that why?
4: Yeah, I've been used, Joe. I, I, <laughs> we were used. Well, but but you
1: he came to you. He chose you over anywhere else on planet Earth. He chose Golden State.
4: Yeah, I know, but still it just it just doesn't <laughs> we had we we could have won we could have been the Lakers of, or you know, Lakers or Celtics of like the eighties and he just said, No nah, man, I'm good. I'm but bad enough of this. If he
1: hadn't if he hadn't torn his Achilles, it was going to be another ring. It was going to be another banner uh, because the Warriors definitely would have beat Toronto. All right. Well, look, you gave us uh, more than we could have asked for WZ. Thank you for the time today. The next time you come on, I want to talk about your bio says that you're a foodie. And then I watched you with the PMT guys and they said, Will, when you win the Masters, what's your Masters dinner? And you said steak and potatoes, brother. We 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 gotta work on that. But that we'll save that for the next interview. The next time you come yeah, on, yeah, you gotta
4: you gotta know your uh, gotta know your demographic. If I go in there and I start saying, yeah, I want to do a dim sum dinner or something like that, I think if I, <laughs> I mean I trust me, I love dim sum. Yeah. I'm a, living in San Francisco, I love all kinds of food. You can get me. Any night of the week, you see me doing something like dim sum, pad tie, anything. But you know, if I'm gonna be sitting there with all these major champions and I'm the new kid and I'm coming in there with dim sum, and <laughs> this is the first time I meet Tiger Woods and or you know all these other guys, and they'll be like, oh, this "They kid's boycott a the different. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I might go a little conservative on it."
1: Don't blame me. <laughs> so. We're we're not boycotting you. We're not going conservative on your <laughs> performance at the U.S. Open, my brother. You, like, Thanks for coming on. We got to the, the, the Gillette 72 Club. You can enter in scores, and Max Homa and Will Zalatoris will look at your terrible scores and maybe your terrible swing and try and help you uh, with an a- opportunity to play at Whistling Straits. Thanks for coming on today, buddy.
4: Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it.
1: All right, there we go, my par-saving pals. That is how you start a major week. A major show. We got it. I want to remind everybody, jump into the Fairway Roland Doe DFS contest. Once again, up this week, the link is live as we speak right now. Even if you did not enter uh, a lineup for the Masters or for the PGA Championship, there's still cold, hard cash. You, You probably can't win the jacket. But there's still lots of money. You can win money, and money is a good thing to win. Jump on to FanDuel, go to their golf tab, and Fairway Rolando is sitting right there. It's like a $5 contest. It's cheap. So jump in and enter a lineup while you're at it. We, as I mentioned in the conversation, have a bunch of shows this week. We are doing this major properly. We are back Wednesday with Justin Ray, special guest PGA Tour His initials begin with a P and a C. He's won in the last two weeks. I'll let you figure it out. And then later this week, we're going to jump into the locker room for a little live reaction, perhaps, of of the Saturday moving day as we size up how Sunday is going to go down. And who knows? Maybe there'll be a locker room on Sunday for some of the, the last holes. And then Nathan and I, for sure, will be back Sunday night with a recap immediately after the gigantic US Open trophy, whose name is escaping me right now, has been awarded until another couple of days by Birdie Buddies. Let's go ahead and hit them straight out there.